0: This evening, I'd like to invite you to go in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and as we've been preaching along the theme of being a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ, and talking about what that means practically, and how God works in our lives, how His desire is to fellowship with us, and for us to fellowship with Him, so that he can employ us in doing his work in this world. And what a privilege it is to be ambassadors for Christ, to be those who are called to represent God in this world. Now, Matthew 24, many of you will recognize this context as the Olivet Discourse. This was a message that Jesus preached to his disciples just before going to the cross when they had asked him a question about the signs of the times. And of course, at this point in Matthew 24, the disciples did not fully understand what was coming. They didn't comprehend that Jesus was getting ready to die on the cross, even though he'd been preparing them for that. He'd been explaining to them that he was going to go, but it still had not yet fully registered in their minds what was about to happen. They certainly weren't thinking of Jesus leaving, so they weren't thinking about him coming back either. But Jesus in Matthew 24 talked about some of the events that will take place at the end of the world. And I don't want to spend a lot of time this evening talking about eschatology and uh, the, the timeline and all of that sort of thing. Um, obviously, in Matthew 24, some of the things... Jesus is talking about are events that will take place actually during the seven years of tribulation and will be precursors to the bodily return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet there's also an application in verse 42, and we're going to read verses 42 down through 51, for those who are disciples indeed to be looking for the end of all things, looking for for us, we're looking for the catching away, the rapture. We're looking for him to call us to himself, but that catching away is going to be the beginning of a lot of different events, which will of course culminate in his bodily return to this earth, and then all the events that will transpire after that, which are revealed to us in the scriptures. And so as believers, it's important for us, and we're charged to have our mindset in this way that we are not here forever. We're here for just a short time and there is an important charge or challenge to us that we must be watching. So in verse 42, Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, the scripture says this, "'Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched.' And would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily, I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is warning his disciples that things are not going to go on as they have always been. And, you know, as we think tonight about the last days, and we know that we are living in the last days, we realize that. The scriptures tell us in the last days, perilous times shall come. And the attributes which are spoken of in the last days, in those perilous times, are exactly what we see going on in the world today. We recognize that there is nothing left to be completed on the prophetic calendar before Jesus can call us to himself, before the rapture of the saints would take place. So we know that his return, at least that first part of his return, is imminent. He is coming at any moment to take us home to himself. And as disciples, we must live with this in our mind that Jesus is coming, and He's coming very soon. Now, what tends to happen, especially if you've been in church for a while, and I've grown up in church. I was in church the Sunday after I was born. I was born on a Sunday, and the next Sunday I was in services, and I don't know that I've missed many Sundays since then. So I've been in church a long time. I've heard a lot of messages about the coming of the Lord. I've heard a lot of references to Uh, world events and things that are happening. And what can happen is that after you've heard that enough times, you can start to develop a little bit of a jaded perspective where you start to think, well, a lot of people have said he's coming, but he hasn't come yet, so he probably isn't going to come anytime soon, and we can start living with the wrong perspective. Jesus wanted his disciples to have the right perspective about the days in which they were living, and he wants us to have the right perspective about the days in which we are living. There's three challenges here in Matthew 24 to the disciples which are pertinent to us. First of all, there is a charge that we must be watching. Second of all, there is a charge that we must be ready. Third of all, there is a charge that we must be faithful and wise as the servants of the Lord. And so we want to consider these in order and make application to our lives tonight and then we'll be done. Matthew 24, verse 42 and 43, Jesus says clearly, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. So Jesus uses in verse 42 the word watch. It's a strong word. It's a powerful word. It means to be awake and alert. To be cautious and active, to give strict attention to something. It's the idea of being very focused and not allowing yourself to be lulled into a sense of complacency or sleep. Tonight after the service, we'll be leaving and we're going to try to make it about three hours north of here. And usually that's not too bad for me. But once we get to midnight, I know myself and I used to when I was younger, I used to be able to drive through the night without too much trouble. But uh, I know myself better than to try that now. Because what happens is when I start getting tired, I stop watching the road. And you know what I'm talking about. Your head starts nodding. Uh, It gets scary when you realize, I think I just fell asleep for a couple of seconds there. Uh, I think it's time to pull off and get some rest. I think uh, before something happens. You know, when you're driving, you need to be watching. My oldest daughter, Margaret, is... Uh, she's got her driver's permit, and she's learning to, to drive on the road. And so, of course, I get the privilege of taking her to driving. And a couple days before we left, uh, she wanted to go driving. So I said, okay, sweetie, let's go driving. And she's, she's got the minivan, and we took her uh, on the back roads there. And there's a place on the passenger side door where my fingers were, were permanently imprinted in the door. And, and sometimes I would say to her, um, Margaret, are you watching? Are, are you paying attention? Uh, honey, can you get over a little bit? And I try to be nice and calm, but I do realize that my life is also in her hands. And so, you know, as we're learning, you know, my encouragement to her is you've got to learn. And I've, I've been teaching her, okay, you've got to look down the road and you've got to take in what's close with your peripheral vision, but you've got to be looking farther down the road than right here, Because you need to be able to react to things that are happening out there. And that's the idea of this word watch. It is that you and I need to be awake and alert. But the problem is the world in which we are living has a way of lulling us into a sense of sleep. We get caught up in the affairs of this life. We get distracted with things that we could argue to be quite important and yet in their importance they do not equal the, the spiritual things. They do not equal the return of the Lord. And we can allow our attention to begin to be distracted by those things, and, and we begin looking off another direction, and we forget that the Lord is coming back. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 6 address this same problem, and there the apostle said, "'Therefore let us not sleep as do others.'" but let us watch and be sober. As God's children, as disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, we should be very alert and very sober and very awake because right now we are living in exciting times. There are incredible things that are happening in the world all around us which indicate that we are getting closer and closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and that it could be very soon. And we must be awake. We must be alert. We must not be distracted. Now in verse 42, Jesus said the reason that we need to watch is because we know not what hour the Lord doth come. And it's a good reminder that if somebody starts to tell you that they've figured it out, they got the date. They know when he's coming. They don't know. They're a false prophet. They just told you by what they said that they have no idea what they're talking about. So don't buy their book. Don't listen to their program. Write them off as a false prophet. Move on because they are teaching false doctrine. Actually, as I'm teaching in our Bible Institute about the cults, and it's it's fascinating how many of the cults began through a study of eschatology that went astray and led someone to believe that they knew when Jesus was returning. And they began building a following around that, which ended up being a cult. And so be careful about people who say that they know, because what Jesus told us explicitly is that no one knows. There is going to be a surprise element of Christ's return, which should cause us to constantly be on watch. He has not told us exactly when he's coming. Now, people do want to know, and actually... If you had a way of finding out when Jesus is going to return and being able to publish that, you would have a lot of interested buyers. You could sell your book. People would gravitate to that because they want to know. The reason that they want to know is because they want to know, now how much time do I have? Because I got some things I want to get done. This is the same thing. you know. people, People want to be in control of the day of their death. They want to know when they're going to die and how they're going to die. And they want to have full control over that. But the the problem, we don't have any control over that. That is something that is in the Lord's hands. You don't know when the return of the Lord is going to be. You don't know when the day of your death is. If we knew the hour that Jesus was coming, then we would be prone to sleep or to waste time until the last minute. We would say, well, I've got some time to get some things done, and then I'll get really serious. But here's what we know. He could come anytime. time. He could come in the next few moments. He could come tonight. He could come tomorrow. He could come before the end of this year. Therefore, we must be ready. We must be constantly watching. Ephesians 5 and 16, the scripture tells us that we must be redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Brethren, as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, let it be said of us that we are living in such a way that we are buying back the time, that we are making our time count for Christ. You know, even if you live long enough to die before Jesus comes again, before he catches us away, honestly, we don't have much time. There's not much time to waste. And we've got to be diligent as the servants of the Lord, as those who are the followers of Christ. We've got to be investing our lives. We must be walking circumspectly because we realize that uh, there's a need to invest our lives for the cause of Christ. Now, Jesus spoke about his coming as an hour. He says, you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And when he speaks about his return in the sense of this hour, it gives us this idea that the return of Christ is a specific event. The time has already been set. Do you know that God the Father already knows exactly when this will take place? The time has been set, but no man knows that day or that hour. No one knows exactly when that's going to happen, but it's not, the, the reason that no one knows is not because It's a nebulous thing, or it might not happen, or it's still in question. There is no question. Jesus is coming back. He is going to return. We must be ready. We don't know the day or the hour, but we must be watching, and we must be prepared because Jesus is going to return. I like to say it this way. It's already on the calendar. It's there. If you could see the calendar, you would know when it is. But you can't see the calendar. But that doesn't change the fact that it's on the calendar. He's coming. So watch. As disciples of Christ, this idea of watching has the idea that we look with discernment at the world. We look at the things that are going on and we resist the temptation to follow the trends, or to get involved in the way that the rest of the world is looking at these events. Instead, we see them through the eyes of God. We see them with watchful eyes, recognizing we're counting down. So there's a lot of things that have transpired even in the last few months that there's part of me that I say, I really don't like this. But there's another part of me that says, you know, it sure seems like this would facilitate the end times, and it seems like we're getting closer and closer to the return of the Lord. And so uh, we need to be watching, we need to be looking with spiritual eyes. You ought to pay attention to things that are going on in the Middle East. Pay attention to some of the things. Have you, have you been paying attention much to some of the interesting things that are happening with the overtures that the newer Pope, Pope Francis, is making towards Islam? And they're in a very, very heavy negotiations about bringing some sort of a merger between those two religions so that they can come together. Now, that's a very interesting thought in light of biblical prophecy because we know that there's going to be a one-world religion at some time and we see some, some forces that are arrayed in opposition to each other and we know that they're going to come together somehow and we're not sure exactly how that's going to happen So when we hear things like this, if we're watching, we say, oh, I see. I see what's happening. I I see that we're getting closer. And that ought to make us even more serious about the fact that Jesus is coming back. So Jesus says, watch, therefore. But then in verse 44, the reason that we watch is so that we will be ready. The reason we're watching is because we want to be ready when Jesus returns. He says in verse 44, Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. He cometh. It's absolutely certain that He's coming. So be ready when He comes. The word ready means be prepared. Get adjusted. Receive someone when they get there. You're going to be prepared for their coming. When I was a kid, I was little. I was uh, younger than Titus. I was probably about eight, seven or eight. And we had, at that time, we lived in Illinois, and we had some friends that were members of the church there, and they had two boys that were the same age as me and my next younger brother, George. And they invited us to come to the river For a special celebration for one of their birthdays. I don't even remember all the details about that. I just remember we were going to the river and we were going to swim and there was going to be cake and it was going to be fun. And so the arrangement was made that they were going to come and pick us up at a certain time. And I remember sitting on the couch, looking out the picture window behind the couch like this, and I don't know how long I was there, but I know I was early because I didn't want to miss when they got there, I wanted to be ready. Had all my stuff ready, I was watching, I was, I was anxious because I wanted to get on with it. Let's go, Let, I want to go have some fun, I want to be there with my friends. That's the idea of what it means to be ready. It means to have some anticipation, some excitement, about the fact that the Lord is coming. You know, to be ready, it would be good for you to be saved. If you're not saved, you're not ready. Because if you're not saved, when He comes, He's not taking you with Him. You're not going to be caught away. That's a very serious matter indeed. So if you're not saved, you must consider this. You must reckon about your need of Christ You must deal with this matter and not delay because it is imperative that you would be ready, that you would be saved. But now many of you would say, I am saved. And if you are saved, you want to be ready. You don't want to be doing things uh, that are not preparing you for his His return. The reason we need to be ready is because again in verse 44, and he's really stressing this point, for in such an hour as ye think not, The Son of Man cometh. Though we can anticipate His coming, and though we can see things that are going on in the world, there is a sense in which we need to realize that He's going to come at a time when we are least expecting Him. At a time when, if we're not careful, we're not going to be ready. We tend to think, well, I'm a Christian, so I'll be ready. I'll see the signs. I'll know that he's coming. It'll, it'll probably be revealed to me ahead of time. No. No. In such a time as ye think not, he's coming. Honestly, many Christians that I speak to, from the way they speak to me, I think they've convinced themselves that he's not coming back for a long time, which tells me he must be coming back soon. Because so many people think he's not coming back for a long time. The Lord is going to return when we are least expecting him. And many people will be caught off guard by his return. Many people won't even realize what has happened. And I don't know how that, there's a lot of conjecture about what's going to take place. I mean, you have saints raptured out of the world aren't people going to notice, aren't they going to, what is the deception that's going to take place? We know there will be a strong deception. We don't, we don't understand how all that's going to take place, but we do know this, that if we're not careful, we will be caught off guard by his catching away. One of the reasons that we'll be caught off guard is because many of us, and definitely most of the world, has this idea ah, come on, he's not coming back. I've heard that all my life. In fact, you live here in the Bible Belt. And I'll bet if you went out and talked to your neighbors and people who've grown up in church and talked to them about the return of the Lord, I'll bet a lot of them would say, ah, come on, I've heard that for so long. Ah, we got time. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Because men have this idea, the Lord is tarrying in his return. But no, he's not tarrying. He's right on time. He's coming exactly when it's the right time. He's going to catch us away at exactly the right moment. He's not late. He's not going to be early. He's going to be right on time. Don't be ignorant of this fact. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He has promised to come. He will come. You can be assured of it, therefore you must get ready. Thankfully, our God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You say, "Why hasn't He come? Because there are still some that are not in the fold. There's still some that need to come to Him, but the time is coming when He is coming. So be watching and be ready. Be ready for the return of the Lord. Once again, he reminds us, the Son of Man cometh. It is a sure thing. Jesus is coming again. There is no doubt about this truth. We are commanded to be ready. Get yourself ready because Jesus is coming. Be watching. Be ready. I wonder how many of us, when that day comes will be ashamed, will be regretful, will be sad because I wasn't quite ready. Oh, I, I thought I had a little more time. I, there were some things I wanted to work on, but I didn't quite get to it yet. Now listen, the time is short. Watch. Be ready. And this leads us to the last thought in our passage which is found there in the latter verses of this, this uh, discourse to the disciples as Jesus begins giving instructions to his disciples in verse 45 about being faithful and wise. He says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Now, Jesus is uh, making a a comparison to something that would have been very familiar to these men. Uh, A wealthy man would frequently go away on business. And, of course, there would be affairs that needed to be handled at the house. And while he was gone, he would leave a trusted servant in charge of those affairs And he would give him a challenge, a charge, a command. You're going to make sure that these things are taken care of. You're going to, servant, you're going to make sure the household is fed. You're going to make sure these items of business are dealt with. I'm going to be gone, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, I want to know that you've done what I've told you to do. The disciples would be very familiar with that. This is customary. And Jesus is giving us this example because this is exactly what is happening. Jesus is getting ready to go away. He's going to leave the disciples there. The disciples are given a task to to perform. They are given a job to do. They are given a responsibility to fulfill. And Jesus is saying to them, When I come back, I want to make sure that you are a faithful and wise servant, that you are doing the things that I have told you to do. You say, well, Jesus didn't come back. Those disciples died. And they went on. Yes, but... There still was an accounting, wasn't there? There still was a necessity for them to be doing the work that their master had left them to do. And you know, many generations have transpired since those first disciples, since that first church, but we are still given the same mandate. And our master says to us, I'm coming. And when I come, I want to find you being faithful and wise. I want to find you doing the things that I have commanded you to do. The word faithful means someone who is trustworthy or someone who is faithful in the transaction of business, someone who does what you expect them to do. The scripture tells us that an unfaithful man is a great burden to his master. In fact, there's a place where an unfaithful man is compared to, is it a tooth out of joint? I think that's the right wording, a tooth out of joint. I don't know if you've ever had a tooth out of joint. um, I've had the displeasure of having some tooth problems. It's uncomfortable. It's not nice to have someone that that is uh, a servant or someone that you have given responsibility to who doesn't fulfill that responsibility. We should not be that kind of servant. We should be faithful. We should be the kind of servant that does what God has commanded us to do. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 is a very familiar verse. It says this, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful, faithfulness. And of course, the scriptures tell us that many men will proclaim their own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find? You know, honestly, people, a lot of professing Christians will brag about all sorts of things about their testimony, but here's how you know about their testimony. Just watch and see if they're faithful. Just see if they stick by the stuff. Just see if they're still there in a few years serving the Lord. I've been around the block a few times. I'm I'm not that old, but I've been around the ministry for a long time. I grew up in a preacher's home. I've been in church all my life. I've seen many people come and, and come with a flashy testimony and get baptized and everybody was like, wow, and they're not around anymore. I remember a young man, he's the same age as me. In fact, he's he's uh, just a week older than me. And I remember when Corey started coming to our church. And he wasn't saved. He was a senior in high school. And he started coming to church with a friend of his who I don't remember, I think was interested in a girl who went to our church. And so the two of them started attending. And Corey, Corey was a character. When You could hear him coming to church because his music was so loud. And by the way, he wouldn't be embarrassed. If he was sitting right here, I would be sharing this testimony about him. So he would. He had this, um, you remember the Geo Tracker, the wannabe Jeep? So he had one of those and he had a big bass kicker in it. And when he would come to church, he would be playing his music as loud as he could. And, and we would all say, here comes Corey. And he was coming to church, coming to church. And you know what? We, we thought, this guy, he's not going to stick. He's, he's not for real. But you know what happened? He got saved. And God transformed his life. And I had the privilege of spending some time discipling him and teaching him about the things of the Lord. We were about the same age. And he just kept coming. And he kept coming. And he kept coming. And you know what? That was 25 years ago. And he's still coming. Now he's married and he's got three kids and he's a member of our church. He lives right around the corner and he's in the services and he's serving the Lord and he wants to do the will of God. You know what? We were wrong. We didn't think that he would make it, but he proved that he's a faithful man. Churches are made up of faithful people. If you didn't have faithful people, you couldn't have church. If you didn't know that some people would be there when you open the doors, then you wouldn't be able to have a service. We think about what it takes to have a service at Lehigh Valley Baptist Church. You know, there's a lot of things that happen that I don't even think about because somebody else is doing it. I don't go down and examine the nursery and make sure that the nursery staff is ready. I don't go down and make sure the the children's church workers have a snack tonight. I don't go down and make sure the back door is unlocked to let the ladies come in and drop their kids off. I don't make sure that that the sound booth is set up or that the video system is ready to go. I don't make sure that the song service is ready because there are people who do all those things. Now, I have things I'm responsible for, and I better be faithful. But here's what I'm saying to you. God gives us responsibilities, and he requires us to be found faithful. Many times we are looking for something flashy. What God wants is faithful. You may not find your Christian life to be all that exciting, but whether it's exciting or not, just be faithful to what God wants you to do. A lot of times being the kind of Christian that God wants us to be, being prepared for the return of the Lord looks like being a faithful father and husband, being a faithful wife and mother, being faithful to your ministry, uh, to the areas where God has privileged you to serve. It may not look like much. It may not seem like it's very, bearing much fruit. But faithfulness is something that is hard to come by. Keep being faithful. I hope that if I come back here in sometime in the future, that you're still here serving the Lord, that you're still faithful. I was here a couple years ago, and I recognize many of you because you were here then, and you're still here now. Keep being faithful. God is looking for faithful. You and I, we need to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. The reason that we can hold fast the profession of our faith in these evil days, in the midst of this evil generation, is because of the faithfulness of the one who has promised to us. It's not because of our strength. It's because of his faithfulness that we can be faithful. And so tonight, be faithful but also be wise. Jesus spoke about a faithful and wise servant. Be faithful to do the things that God wants you to do. Be faithful to obey Him. But the word wise speaks about someone who is prudent, someone who is intelligent, someone who is mindful of his own interests, and in this case, the interests of his master. The word wise has the idea that he's thoughtful, that he's got good judgment, that he doesn't waste. You know, you think about our lives, and I've become more aware of this as I've gotten older. I turned 45 this year, and so I'm firmly in middle age now. But you know, I was thinking about this not that long ago, and and particularly in light of the fact that we've had so many funerals at our church, and you start to think about the years of our life, which, of course, the scriptures tell us in Psalm 90 that the years of our life would be three score and ten, or 70, and if by reason of strength they be four score, there still is sorrow in them. There still is difficulty. So, you know what God is telling us is, hey, you could live 70 years. You might live 80 years Anymore, it's not uncommon to hear of people living 90 years or a little over 90 years. But you know what? Even if I live to 90, I'm halfway there. I don't have that much time left. I've got to start thinking about, okay, how am I living my life? Am I being wise? Am I, am I, uh, I, I used to work for a guy who said, work smarter, not harder. Am I, am I working smarter? Am I, am I thinking about the way that I'm spending my life? And I think as believers, one of the ways that we work smarter is that we learn to invest our lives in the lives of others who who want to be disciples of Christ. And we teach them, follow me as I follow Christ. So we're going to be involved in investing our lives in others because that gives us the power of multiplication. That begins to, to have effects in many different people's lives. So to be wise. For a servant to waste the days that God gives them to serve would not be wise. It would be very foolish. To fritter away the time that God gives in other interests instead of his interests, this would not be wise. This would be foolish. But it is very wise for you and I to invest our moments and our days in the service of the Lord. I don't know how long we have. I don't know how long it will be till he calls us home. But let's make every day count. Let's not waste any days. Let's not say, hey, Lord, this is my personal day. You know, I've I've stored some up. I get a couple personal days, don't I? No, we need to be busy about our Father's business. The way that Jesus lived is a wonderful example of this. In his earthly ministry, Jesus did everything on purpose. Jesus was very methodical. He was wise in the way that he interacted with others, in the places that he went You might have thought it looked accidental, but it wasn't accidental. It was wise. And this is exactly how you and I should live. We should be faithful and wise servants. And then Jesus says in verse 46, Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. There is a blessing to the servant of the Lord who is thus prepared. We could talk about how to be prepared in this way. And I think there's a lot of things that go into it. But what Jesus is is communicating so clearly is that when Jesus comes, he expects to find us busy about his business. And if he finds us busy about his business, if he finds us striving lawfully, if he finds us engaged in that which we are left with the responsibility of doing, there is a blessing, there is a reward That is coming to this kind of a person. This is what we should aspire to. Some people have a problem with those kind of rewards and they say, you know, we shouldn't be motivated by rewards. I beg to differ. God wouldn't have told us about them if He didn't want us to be motivated by them. There's a reason He told us about these rewards, there's a reason that He told us that one day our works will be tried by fire. And the ones that will abide will be the ones that are made of gold, silver, and precious stones. And we ought to aspire to those kind of rewards. We ought to aspire that when the Lord returns, he will find us busy about his business. One day, I think, from heaven, we will look back with some degree of sadness because we will realize that heavenly rewards are worth so much more than we ever imagined. And many of us are content to live our lives seeking for earthly rewards, seeking for the things for this life instead of storing up like Jesus said that we ought to do, lay up treasure in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves cannot break through nor steal. Jesus commanded us to invest eternally in that way And I think the time will come when we will wish that we had invested more and that we had put more in store in heaven because those heavenly rewards are very valuable. Be that as it may, in Galatians 6 and 9, the scripture instructs us in this way, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Aren't you thankful that there is a harvest coming? Aren't you thankful that there's a time coming when some rewards will be offered? Aren't you thankful that there is a master who is watching how you are laboring and he is going to give you according to your labors? He doesn't miss anything. He's going to reward. So be faithful. Don't be weary. Brethren, I know it's easy to get weary. It's easy to look around Especially in the culture in which we live, and say, you know, it would be so much easier if we just dropped some of the standards. If we just stopped preaching and teaching this doctrine or that doctrine, we could have so many more people, and it would be so much more exciting. It would be so much easier. But don't become weary in well doing. Listen, stay by the stuff, stand by the doctrine. Preach, thus saith the Lord. Keep serving the Lord, and don't become weary because the time is coming when your labor will be rewarded. In our text, in verse 46, Jesus said, Blessed is that master whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Now, I want you with honesty tonight to evaluate. If the Lord were to come back right now, what would he find you doing? I mean, obviously, you're here, so that's good. But what about the last week? What about the last month? What about the last year? Have you been faithful? Have you been wise? Have you been laboring for Him? Have you been investing your life in eternal things? Would He say to you, that's exactly what I wanted you to be doing? Or would He look at your life and say, son... Daughter, I thought I was clear on what you were supposed to be investing your life in. You, you, haven't, you haven't been busy about my business. You've been doing other things. Be honest with yourself. If he were to come back now, in this very moment, if we were to be caught away, would you be ready? Would you be caught off guard? Do you wish that you had more time? Are there some things that you would change if you knew he was coming tomorrow? So as you reflect on that, think about whether you're ready for the Lord's return. Are you living tonight with eternity's values in view? Are you watching? Are you alert? Are you prepared? Because make no mistake about it, you're a follower of Christ. He's coming for you. He's coming to catch us away. May we be ready.